Hey, everybody, and welcome to Super Bowl 52 week here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The Eagles and the Patriots will play on Sunday. I'm Brent Martineau for the Action Sports Shacks Pile on Podcast, brought to you by the Jacksonville Icemen. Hockey is back in Jacks. Dan Hicken. I'm giving him the podcast off for this one, but I will be joined by several guests throughout. We made it to Minneapolis on Wednesday, and of course, Super Bowl week is in full swing at the Mall of America. That's where one of the Super Bowl headquarters is set up. Radio Row, a lot of the media, a lot of fans all getting a look at, well, the roller coasters and the Mall of America, but a lot of the stars that come out for Super Bowl week as well. This setup is a bit away from the stadium where the game will be played on Sunday and there's also a fan area near the stadium the NFL experience which is a traditional part of Super Bowl week that takes place about 25 or 30 minutes away from the Mall of America here in Minnesota so they spread it out a little bit a little bit different than past Super Bowls but uh, pretty cool too to see everything located in the Mall of America a busy place a huge mall and obviously one of the destination places to be if you want to come visit Minneapolis and speaking of visits we had well several visitors this week is big because it's the Super Bowl and obviously the Super Bowl is huge no matter where you are but for the folks in Jacksonville and for Jaguars fans it's a huge week because it could be the week Tony Baselli gets in the Hall of Fame and will go to Canton, Ohio. He could be enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame later this summer. But first, he has to get enough votes to get in. Came oh so close last year. He's a finalist once again this year. And there's a lot of momentum for Tony Baselli to make it to the Hall. A lot of people think it's going to happen. We had a chance to catch up with Tony on Wednesday here at Super Bowl week. He's making the rounds, and he, well, is hopeful, if not confident, that he'll get the call he's been waiting for for quite some time. This has been fun for me this year because last year was all Super Bowls. I, you know, work for Wesley One and Hall of Fame. This year, every interview starts with the Jacksonville Jaguars and about this team, which is so cool to me because it's. I mean, this is all national media, and a lot of them I've, I've, have told me like, "Man, you guys are better than the Patriots. You should have beat them." And uh, that's so. That's pretty cool. It doesn't make it any easier. It doesn't make it any better. I wish that we were here as an organization. But that's a nice change for me because being on the road, doing a lot of national stuff the last seven or eight years, that hasn't been the case. It's almost been like they snicker and they laugh and say, what's wrong in Jacksonville? But not this year. It's uh, So that makes it a lot of fun for me. Well, let me ask you a couple questions about that then. Does that help you in the room on Saturday, do you believe? Uh, it can't hurt, but I don't know. It cannot hurt, but I, I, I think, you know, Saturday comes down to, it's the, you know, you get a couple, I think we, Ray Lewis is getting in, and my think view is Randy Moss is getting in, and so this would be the jockeying for those last three places. And uh, it's a fascinating process to me. If I wasn't involved or being discussed, I'd love to sit in on it, to listen of the back and forth conversation and how it works. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. Uh, let's just hope I. Hope I get a, a knock on the door this year instead of a phone call. I know we've asked you a lot about that, but when you left Houston last year, was there a sense of peace because of what people kind of had told you that, hey, I know it didn't work out this time, but but there was a lot of talk about Tony Baselli in that room that, that he deserves to be in there, if not right now, someday. It probably eases the pain a little bit uh, or the disappointment, um, but you're still disappointed. And you realize, it, it's, it, listen, it's better than telling you the opposite. And so that felt good, 
but you know it's a 365 days until you get back to that and to find out if you have another opportunity to do it, and it's a long process. So um, it's nice, like I said last year, and if anything is positive about this process, if you don't make it, you have a lot of people saying nice things about you and about your career. I mean, that's, it's, that's nice and it feels good and reminisce and go back and uh, kind of think about it, the past in that way. But I, I mean, I didn't realize how much it would bother me when I didn't make it. And when I say bother, not mad or anything, but just disappointed, like, you know. So uh, Competitive side. Competitive side, you want to get in there. And so hopefully I don't have to feel that again. You have been on the forefront of so many things with this organization. Do you think if you get in, then we start talking Fred and, and someday, heck, this roster right here might have some future Hall of Famers too, but kind of to be that first guy from this organization might set the table for others? Yeah, I hope so because, you know, you bring up Fred. In my opinion, Fred Taylor is a Hall of Famer. Um, it's not even like, I, I can't even imagine the fact that he has not been in that room like I have to be discussed. Compare him to the other guys and taking nothing away from those other guys who are Hall of Famers. But Fred Taylor is every bit as good and has every bit as good a career. Uh, the only difference is two differences. He didn't play in the Super Bowl and he played in Jacksonville. That has nothing to do with individual Hall of Fame status, in my opinion. So I hope so. You know, hopefully me getting in will pave the way like me blocking in the, in the old days for Fred. Um, and, you know, you speak about guys on this roster. What I love about this team, again, probably since when I was on the team, you know, and guys with like Fred and Jimmy, where there was talk of people at their position to being the best or among the best. We haven't had that. I guess that one year mojo, uh, but it's been very, you know. Average. It had, not even average, it had barely ever happened since uh, for a long time. So now having Jalen Ramsey, I mean, I walk around here and talk to people, look like oh, he's the best corner in football, or he's one of them. You know, A.J. Boye is right there, the year Clay has had. Uh, you see, uh, Telvin gets a lot of talk of being an up-and-coming guy, and Miles Jack, and you know, and, and, and they don't even know about Ngakwe yet. And so that is fun for me um, because I love seeing that, the, that we have players on our team that are elite, and uh, hopefully one day they, you got to do it for a while, and hopefully they do because if they do it for a while, it means we're good and we're going to win teams and uh, win games, and hopefully we'll be in the Super Bowl, and uh, it'll pay off for them. This defense, from what you're hearing, is do people think it's on the verge of, of greatness potential? Could it? We talked about the numbers this year yeah. being historic at times. It wasn't an historic defense no. at the end of the day. But could it be? It's still a very young defense in a lot of spots. Well, I think it definitely could be. I think if you talk to people here, it's all about the defense. And the big question mark that comes up, and especially after last night, the trade of Alex Smith, is what do you do with Bortles? Um, it's. It, it's a little bit frustrating. It's it's still a group of people around here that don't think very highly of them, and uh, I've been doing my best to kind of change the perception a little bit because not because because I like Blake. That's one reason because I think it's true. He played better than anyone gives him credit for this year, and uh, you know everyone talks about Kirk Cousins. I'm not for me. I don't think that's the right move uh, necessarily. I mean to lock up that much cap room and you're gonna have to cut defensive players or you're not gonna limited what you can do. And nothing against Kirk Cousins. I, I said it a second ago. Tell me the last time Kirk Cousins took a team to the playoffs. The answer, he hasn't. Now, maybe he's Drew Brees, who in San Diego was just kind of good, but not great, and got to the new situation and was phenomenal, Hall of Famer. And so maybe that's, maybe it's Washington's fault. Maybe Kirk needs a change of, uh, change of scenery, but are you willing to bet $100 million guaranteed on that? 
I don't know, and there's no guarantee you're getting them either. So you cut Blake and try to make go run down that rabbit hole. I'm not sure I'm there, and I, it's uh, and I think Blake. I would like to see Blake have the opportunity to have the, another year in the same system with the same coach and the stability that brings and what could happen. Yeah, and with some weapons to it. Yeah. You're, you know offenses. What what are his limitations? What what it's the, what I try to refer to, I say to the average fan, is Blake a guy that if Nathaniel Hackett has an 80-page playbook, does he only go to 60 pages with Blake? Is it, or Does he have those kind of limitations? Was it the stuff around him? Does he have a higher ceiling, I guess? You know? He has a higher ceiling. Uh, I think some of the limitations is young receivers and injuries and all that have there. You know, I love Mercedes, but he's not a pass-catching tight end. He's a, you know, he's a great player in, in what he does, and he's been so great for this organization. So there's limitations there. Blake's issue is accuracy. Uh, I think Blake's smart. I think Blake he, he can sit in the pocket. I think he can do those things. But he has a problem with accuracy, and he gets out of sync and out of sorts with his feet. And when he, that happens, his arms all over the place and he's throwing off his front foot and it's wobbling and it's bad. And I think that causes hesitation to the coaching staff of what are we going to get because can we trust him because accuracy is so important. So can he clean it up? I'm not an expert in it, but why can't he? I mean, he got better. Did he? That's why people go, can he get better? Well, did you watch last year? I mean, he was better this year. So we hardly talk fundamentals. Yeah, year. why can't he get better again? I mean. Another year of working on fundamentals and another year in Nathaniel's offense, I don't see why not. Um, so I'm biased because I like him. Uh, maybe it's the wrong move. Maybe the right move is going to get Kirk Cousins. But I, if, if I had to make a decision right now, I would keep Blake Bortles for that one year and I'd go draft a guy in the first round. That's what I would do. First round? Yeah, I'd draft a first rounder. It, I mean, obviously, you're not going to reach on a guy, but there's if the value is there, and I think there's going to be some guys like, you know, a Baker Mayfield or a Sam Darnold or somebody like that that could be on the board. I'd draft him. That's just me. Yeah. I like when you play GM Tony. That's good. One last one. If you could take away one thing from the AFC Championship game or give it to the Jags back, I know there's a myriad of things. There's officiating. There's did they get conservative. There's delay again. Was there, is there a one play or one thing that they did? That's all right. That you would say they'd be in the Super Bowl if this had happened. If they don't, if they don't blow the whistle on the Miles Jack play, I think they they win. It's 27-10. It's over. Simple as that. Yep. Bad call. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting all choked up about this. <coughs> you got some post Yeah, sorry. That's it. Are we taping this? Yeah, you're fine. Oh, Go ahead. Go get yourself some water. Good I need luck help. on Saturday. But that's what I would say. I think uh, that one play. Because are they coming back in the fourth quarter down 27-10? Maybe. Yeah. But I like our chances. All right. Good deal. Good luck this week. Thank you, sir. Tony getting all choked up <laughs> about the Hall of Fame. It really wasn't about the Hall of Fame or the Jags. He was actually literally coughing. <laughs> That's what was happening uh, late in that interview with Tony Baselli. But we wish him the best. We really think it should happen and will happen. We will find out Saturday. Make sure you tune in to our big game special, an Action Sports Jack special presentation, 7 o'clock on CBS 47, back home in Jacksonville. And right about that time, we'll find out if Tony Baselli is going to the Hall of Fame. Only two teams do not have a Hall of Famer in the NFL. The Houston Texans, who are the newest franchise in the NFL, and your Jacksonville Jaguars. There is one guy that really thinks Tony Baselli should be in the Hall of Fame, and he's trumpeted that notion for quite some time. You know him well if you 
are familiar with the Jags and familiar with the media back in Jacksonville. He now works for CBS Sports. His name is Pete Prisco. We caught up with Pete on Wednesday as well about Tony's chances to make it to the Hall and also about this season in Jacksonville for the Jaguars. Is this the year? This is the year. I'm feeling a lot of momentum for Tony. I really am. I, I Look, I was optimistic last year. I thought he would get in last year. But this year, even more so. Talking to a lot of voters. Brent, I think this is the year he's going to get in. And, and I think he's starting to realize it and feel a little bit too. What do you think? You've been around for a long time in Jacksonville and the Jags since the beginning. What does it mean, do you think, to get that first guy in the Hall of Fame? What do you think it means to the organization? What do you think it means to the city? Well, I mean, there's an inferiority complex there. It's been that way for a long time. Guys wouldn't go to the Pro Bowls back in the day because it was Jacksonville. And now to have the first Hall of Famer, I think it's, you know, after a good football season, I think it gets the city back reinvigorated again with Jaguar football. And look, let's face it, they're the only team in the league that doesn't have anybody. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Are you a believer that the relevance of this season will help at all, the fact that they went to the AFC title game? It can't hurt. Look, people are talking about their organization again. They got brash young kids. They're interesting. I've had a lot of people come to me. They said, this week would have been a lot more fun if the Jaguars were here. And this is guys from other markets because they talk, they have a good time. So, yeah, I think it helps them. What do you think uh, is the one thing he has to overcome to get in the Hall, lastly, on Tony? I mean, is it? Is it I mean, I know he'll get there. Is it still the longevity thing? Is it, I think you mentioned to me earlier, the youthful voter that maybe isn't aware of his playing days? Yeah, I think, and I've banged on a lot of those guys, man. I've tried to point out what he was and what he, you know, how truly great he was. And the young voter doesn't know, he didn't see him, has no idea. And there are a lot of young guys in there. And you have packs of guys. But I tell you what, there are strong packs in that room. And Tony's got a lot of support from those strong packs. Guys have been around the league a long time. I think that'll ultimately get him in. All right, I got one more Hall of Fame question, kind of broad. Tony gets in. What happens next? What's the most likely? Jimmy Smith, Fred Taylor, or a current Jaguar? Who's next? No, it'll be Fred Taylor. I think that momentum, as soon as, if Tony gets in this week, my focus now goes to banging on those guys about Fred Taylor. You know, talking about how Curtis Martin averaged 4.6 per rush once in his career, and Fred did it in his entire career. Fred Taylor was a special player. Hey, Leonard Fournette's a big back at 230 pounds. Fred Taylor weighed 232 and ran 4.2. Uh, he's a special player. He's next. Yeah, he's top 20 all time in rush. So the numbers back it up. Uh, what do you think about this matchup now that you, Patriots Eagles? Are you as tired of the Patriots as the rest no, of us? I'm not because I think it's a great story. I mean, look. Eight and 16 years, for, technically for Brady, because he didn't play the first year and he missed the one year with the knee injury. That you can't do that in the NFL, and it's him. This is not a great Patriot team. It's him. So no, I'm not tired of it. I think, again, I told somebody the other day. I said, we're going to look back on this 20 years from now and go, oh my God, we watched some of the greatest, the greatest sports dynasty, by the way, because you're doing it over the course of a time and you're doing it in free agency era. It's the best ever. And you brought up maybe the greatest athlete in team sports right at the end of the day Jordan was Michael Jordan was always that guy but Tom Brady if you do it in football and you win six titles in football I think you surpass him you just mentioned Jaguars how much are people talking about them when you talk to national guys you, you're around that more than we are a lot but you know if they were here it'd be a different story and it would continue but they've got the attention people everybody says hey look that's a roster they're gonna be around for a long time that defense is very good they have young talented players on that side of the ball he's got to be better on offense and you know that do you think uh, this is more Seattle like than in terms where they can make a four or five year run rather than say Carolina where they kind of got up to the Super Bowl then fell back down to earth I think it's more Seattle like I mean they got problems they got to fix the offensive line I, I think they got to fix the outside passing game. They got to decide what they're going to do at quarterback. I think they'll bring Blake back. 
I mean, would I sign Kirk Cousins for $27 million? No. May they? They might look at it and study it. But I think in the end, I think they got to get better players on offense and try and build around doing more for Blake Bortles. Is uh, Blake, what's the biggest criticism of Blake? Accuracy. Simple as Inability that. to, you know, stay on his reads before he gets out of the pocket. But my biggest criticism is they don't allow him to do things on early downs enough. When he plays faster and throws on first down, he's a different guy. When they go run, run, and ask him to make a play, he throws a bad pass, he goes in the jar, and he goes off the ledge quickly. I think they've hindered him as much as anything. You can talk about protecting a quarterback all you want. Sometimes you try to protect him, you're actually hurting him. How much better is Cousins as a player? He's better, but I don't. It's not twenty-seven million dollars, right? You're not. You're not just talking about the the eight million for this year. You're talking about a mega contract for the next five years. So he ain't worth that. As you can tell from Pete, the Jaguars have some momentum in terms of the national media. They like this football team going forward, which is really a good thing for everybody in Jacksonville. This might be just the start of something. Obviously, the Kirk Cousins, the Blake Bortles topic, that's going to continue to be a topic until early March or until the Jaguars come out and say, "Hey, Blake Bortles is our guy in 2008." 18, but certain storylines will exist. Another storyline that does exist and hopefully is right is this defense is just starting a few-year run as one of the best in the National Football League. Another guy that knows this football team so well and is here in Minneapolis is John Ozer, John Ozier from Jaguars.com. We caught up with John, and in the middle of our conversation, talking Jags, talking Tony Baselli, talking Super Bowl, we got a special guest. We can have a lot of fun in here, John. Yeah, I guess we can. It would have been more fun if uh, AFC Championship game turns out a different way. But in lieu of that, we go over to the miniature golf course, Brent. <laughs> isn't it crazy to think – now, you've done this before with Indianapolis, but isn't it just crazy to feel the difference of how we would cover this week oh, it's based on the Jags almost being here and then not being here? Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, – from a – I'm sure your perspective is, is different than mine. From mine – where you're a smaller shop and you've got, I've got a couple of video people and then there's me, you sort of have to pick your spots. Whereas, you know, you perhaps would have had more team coverage with off-site uh, sort of things, but just the enormity of the event. And, uh, you know, for us, we were sort of planning out, okay, how would we pick and choose what you cover? Because there's so much that goes on that you really can't cover everything from a single media entity. So it's uh, it's unfortunately easier this week. Yeah, I know. And, uh, I was thinking just even from the TV perspective, you have to get in front of that Blake Bortles podium or Jalen Ramsey podium on opening night there about four hours ahead of time, it feels like, with step ladders and stools and just to get a shot. Yeah, and there's a, you know, it, for people who've never covered the Super Bowl, which is a lot of people, obviously, it's very podium oriented and it's a case where Blake is talking for an hour and Jalen would be talking for an hour. And guess what? When Jalen talks for an hour, somewhere in there he's going to say something. So you've got to be there, but yet you've also got an entire team to cover uh, with 53 guys who are making news. So it's very much a pick your spots kind of thing. I mean, you know, we're sort of getting X's and O's of uh, journalism here, but it's, it's a tough event to cover because it's so enormous. Yeah, people like this inside the business stuff, John. I, I think they like it. I mean, they like it. Got to take them in a day in the life of Johnny Osher. Um, all right, 10 minutes away from the Super Bowl, really three minutes away from the Super Bowl if you want to go that way. Uh, felt like the game started to change with 10 minutes to go. Can they get here? Are, are they close to being here? It's not easy to get here. Well, it's not easy, but 
You know, I've gotten a lot of questions in the last uh, two weeks, because you know how it goes, or last 10 days. People have, have short memories, and now it's back to let's criticize and want more, and I get wanting more, but I've gotten questions about uh, how far can this team get with Blake Bortles? How far can this team get with X? Well, it, it, it can go in the Super Bowl because it, it, was, it was plays away from doing it. Now, can you do things this offseason to increase your percentage chances? Sure, that's what their job's going to be. But to say that anything about this team, you say, well, they can't do this because of what existed this year. Nobody who watched the AFC Championship game would say there are no scenarios where the Jaguars aren't the best team in football. For, for 45, 50 minutes, they were the best team in football. Didn't close it, which I get you can't say other than that because that counts. But yes, they can get back, but they can also lose in the first round. They can also lose a couple of games they shouldn't and not get there. They're probably one of 12 or 13 teams with a good shot next year. Uh, look at Atlanta this year. I thought Atlanta, with a break or two in their wild, it was a wild card divisional playoff. They played Philadelphia. I think it divisional was playoff. a divisional playoff, yeah. With a break in that game, they might be here. Heck, they had first and goal inside the 10. I'm sure their fans are saying, we've got to change a million things to get there. It will work. Maurice Jones Drew, if you want to interrupt John Osher, just go ahead and do it. I, I hey, came no. over here to speak with you guys. What's going on? We're doing a podcast. Yeah, we're doing a little podcast. Oh. Jump on in. Well, what's up? What are we talking about? Uh, hey, we're talking uh, about Blake, can the J- Blake, oh. Blake Bortles or Kirk you Cousins? Oh, well, yesterday, I, I, to be honest, uh, you know, with the, obviously with the wrist injury, Blake is going to be there. Um, I thought Alex Smith would be a good fit as well to compete with Blake in the, uh, in a, in the training camp and kind of see where you go from there. Obviously, he's gone. Uh, if you do go and get Kirk Cousins, you're going to pay him $30 million a year, whatever the, that price tag may be. There's not going to be a real competition. So I think Blake's earned the right this year to compete again um, because he's played well in stretches. You just want him to be more consistent. You have to find a quarterback that's willing to compete in those situations. I got to hear about your emotions during the uh, Patriots game. I, was, hey. I know what ours were. Well, I, you know, I'm a Jags fan, so I was there selling out and doing a, doing a, talking trash to fans, and uh, I felt like once Miles Jack stripped the uh, Deion Lewis, started running down the field, it was over. Uh, obviously, that didn't work out, and, I, and being an analyst and it, having to be away from the game, I was fine until I went in the locker room and saw all those guys, and I started getting all emotional, and that's what ended up hurting me. So, still haven't got over. I watched it like a couple nights ago, cried again. <laughs> But, uh, you know, when you're that close, and, and I know how hard it was and how hard we worked to get to where we were when I was playing. Uh, I know this this team has worked probably a million times harder than what we did. I know they had a tough training camp, and to get right there two minutes away, it's tough. So, um, you know, you never know if you can get back there. You don't know with injuries, if the season's going to play out or free agency because you're going to lose some guys when you have a good team like this, uh, how they're going to rebuild. But you hope that the Jazz can continue to – play at that level for a long time one more question for you um, if there was one thing you point out in that game they didn't do to finish uh, what what's the yeah. one thing I mean people yeah. talk rest people talk conservative no. people talk a play here or there what what's the one thing you think you'd give them back to win that game you know what they've won they won the whole year playing that way so I, I can't say you can give something but I I think two things um, 
One, oh, yeah, so the first thing is the delay of game. If you don't let them run that play and you just, if you don't get a delay of game in that situation after a timeout, that's one thing I'd like to take back. Uh, and the other thing is blowing the play dead when the ball is clearly out. You can't, that, those are things they have to work on in their competition meetings. Uh, I know it's tough for the ref to see that, but the ref on the back end has to be able to overrule him because the ball was clearly out and there's no one there. Miles runs down the field and scores, that game is over. And so, uh, you know, those are the little things, those are the two things that stuck out to me. I know a lot of people want to talk about the PI penalties. I mean, that's going to happen, especially up there. They're going to get the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but those are the two issues that I, I had. Taking a knee before half, the Jags had done that all year. They never have been aggressive in those situations, so you're not going to change who you are in that situation. They, they, you won, you know, you made the AFC Championship playing that way, winning that way. Don't change who you are now. So, uh, it, Tom just made some good plays at the end with some help. Hey, good job. Nice job jumping in on the podcast. They're calling for you, by the way. Yeah, no, we'll catch up with you on TV a little later in the week. Good to see Maurice Jones Drew. Sorry, John, we had to cut cut, cut our conversation off. I That's mean, fine. Mojo jumping in. I was going to ask him who's better, Leonard Fournette or Maurice Jones Drew. but no, I've already asked him that. He won't. Uh, <laughs> he will call Fournette the second best, and then he'll stop and say, well, me and Fred. So Leonard's third, and before it was over with, he was putting him seventh or eighth. That's awesome. It's good to see Maurice Jones-Drew. He's always here, and he is he's a cheerleader now for the Jags. He does the Rams broadcast, but he loves the Jags, man, and he's always – and it's good. You need people like that nationally. Uh, Tony Baselli will become that once he gets in the Hall of Fame, hopefully. Uh, quick thought because I bring it up on, on Baselli. Is this the year? You know, I – just getting here – for the next couple of days, I'll be talking to a lot of people I've known for a long time who are on the committee, and I'm trying to get a better feel for it. The early feel is when we walked out of Houston last year, I felt like he had the momentum. And talking to a lot of people I respect on the committee, they felt like he has momentum. I run into a couple of guys already who say the momentum's even, even greater. Uh, talking to Pete Prisco, who I believe you talked to earlier as well, he's the one who really lobbies really gets uh, down and dirty with guys all season and talks to him. He believes the chances are much better than they were last year. He thinks he's getting in. Uh, Pete has talked to enough people that I would defer to his thoughts on it. If Pete thinks he's getting in, then he's got a good chance because Pete's tied in on this issue. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, I, I sense the same thing. We were there last year in Houston, and you kind of get this feeling like, oh, this might happen. Right. I think even Tony feels like, hey, they, they told me a lot of good things coming out of there. Could this be the year? But my guess is there are seven, eight, nine guys that feel that way, that feel they have momentum for this thing this year. And uh, we know what's going to happen. Hopefully this is the year, especially with the Jags being a little bit relevant. I, I don't think that hurts. It, it probably doesn't hurt, but I think the biggest thing with Tony is, and, I, and I, Pete and I talked about this a little earlier, Tony didn't get you know shafted last year, for example. If he doesn't get in this year, it won't be that anybody did him wrong. But for five, six, seven years when he wasn't in the conversation for a while, that's when he sort of got robbed. That was the injustice. Well, now he's back really where he probably should have been two or three years into the process. So I do think there's real momentum for him. And I think he's early enough in the process where there is a uh, – there is a fast, thorough education going on with a lot of the 48 voters in the room that perhaps last year there were 
12, 15 guys who really felt like they knew Tony's career intimately. Either they had covered the league when he was in it, they had done enough research. Well, now how the process works is now people throughout the course of the season, when they see each other, when voters see each other, they say, hey, what do you think of this guy? What do you think of this guy? The longer you look at Tony's career, and the more that you go and talk to people who were in the league playing against him, which these voters do this, the longer you talk to people who were personnel people when he was in the league, who were coaches when he was in the league, the better his resume looks because nobody says, ah, he wasn't a good player. Uh, and nobody says, well, he was a borderline guy. The only thing they say is maybe he didn't play long enough. Well, after a while, what happens is when voters hear this guy was as good as there was, this guy was as good as there's ever been, then all of a sudden voters give more credence to that than longevity. So as his candidacy goes more and more, it will get better and better. Unfortunately, he just walked up. <laughs> so and we have now to stop I have to go back nice to things. not liking him very much. But on, on paper, rather than personality, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. We're going to talk to him about that in a bit. Uh, let's get back real quick on football. Uh, just ask Maurice Jones-Drew, Kirk Cousins, Blake Bortles. How big of a topic do you think this is in the building? Um, I think it's a topic in the sense that they are uh, – Tom Coughlin, Doug Marone, and Dave Caldwell are nothing if not thorough. So once the season ends, before free agency begins, so to speak, or before the process of negotiating with people begins, there is a two or three week period where they're trying to figure out what they want to do. And there's meetings along those lines, and there's, okay, now we're setting our course of action. Within that period, when they're trying to figure out the course of action, I don't think there's any question they will look at every position, particularly quarterback, and try to figure out how do we want to try to attack the offseason. So I certainly think that there are conversations, here's where Blake is, here is where the guys are that we think are available. I'm sure Kirk Cousins is on that list. I'm sure there's probably 10 other guys on that list that they're going through and saying, what are the pros and cons? How much better are we with a Kirk Cousins than it would be with a Blake Bortles? How those conversations are going, I don't know. But certainly there is a studying period of what do we want to do with the quarterback position. My guess is Kirk Cousins will rise to the top of that. And then they have to make a decision of they have to let Blake go before they go after a guy. And to me, that's the million-dollar thing of why this won't happen. Because I don't think anybody in the building, and I'm, not, I'm speaking in theory, not having conversations with them, I don't think you want to have a situation where for a day or two in the offseason you don't have a quarterback. And where all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, it'd be great to get a Kirk Cousins or a whoever they're thinking, but if we don't and we've got nobody, well, then we have a tough time getting back to where we were. So, I mean, that's a tough thing to have happen. So uh, I think that will be the ultimate decision is the risk involved with having to let Blake go before you go get somebody else. I don't – maybe somebody knows a way to get past that uncertainty. I don't see it. Yeah, I'll take that a step further too. Just the fact that even if you had even ground on that, you've got other teams that have bidding – 
power probably more than you right now, whether it's dollars, whether it's flexibility because of your defense or whatever you might want to. Remember, I think what people lose sight of, and I understand this is close, and so there's always this catch, and I'm not saying they should sacrifice trying to go win a Super Bowl for this, but they tried to build this thing to sustain this thing. And this wasn't just, hey, let's jump in the AFC Championship game, win a Super Bowl, and then stink again. You know, And so they, they are measuring that, too. And like you said earlier, I mean, Blake Bortles didn't do anything to lose that game. He was a play away maybe from going to the Super Bowl. So what's to say your defense can't get better? You put more weapons around him. That's got to be the what they're thinking in the building. And I'll tell you this, John. I think they have control over his contract more than they would if they signed a long-term deal with a guy like Kirk Cousins because you have at least two years because of the franchise tag that gives you some more flexibility when it comes to that exceptional defense and guys like Ramsey, guys like Miles Jack, guys like Dante and Yannick that you might have to do some things with. So the it's not to say, hey, where's Kirk Cousins versus Blake Bortles? It's how likely is the acquisition? And to me, I'm going with you, the, the likelihood of this acquisition is very small, yeah. even if you wanted to do it. And I guess you could break the bank for it, and you could break the bank for it, but if you break the bank for it, then where does that make you deficient going forward? And I'm with you, Brent. Right now, they've got first, second, third round draft pick this year. They've got it for next year. Do you have to start giving things up to go get somebody? You wouldn't have to do it with Kirk Cousins, but you have to do it with somebody else. And I think that becomes something where they want to make sure that right now they've built through a lot of free agency and they've built through some draft. But going forward, you want to gear that down to where you're being smart. So I think you want to give yourself the potential to be smart and continue drafting well. I got one more question for you on Blake, and then we'll wrap this up. Um, the Well, it's actually a combined question. The wrist, uh, people think this is going to be an issue with a physical. I, I think this is pretty minor. In your estimation, is it pretty minor? Well, I think it – I think they believe, or I would think they believe, that it will, it will be a thing where he passes the physical even with the wrist. Um, the wording on the reports were that the team wanted him to have it. Uh, I'm assuming that's correct. So if it is, then I'm assuming that they believe it'll be a situation where he can pass a physical in, a, in, a, in four or five weeks. I don't know that part for sure, but I think it's all going to wind up being moot because I believe that he'll pass it beforehand and that he will be the – I don't think that will be what causes him to be on the Jaguars next year is what I'm getting at. I hear you. One last one. We don't know this. It's the great unknown. But the based off what he did last year compared to this year, what nobody wants to really consider is what is his ceiling. And, and did he reach his ceiling this year? Or, or is this a growth where – I mean, every, the, the irony in all this to me is that they people wanted to trade for Alex Smith or get Alex Smith. Alex Smith's a great example. Go look at years 6 through 11 on Alex Smith, and they were so much better when he got in the situation of continuity with offensive coordinators and better teams. I, I'm not saying that could will be Blake, but I just think it's a great unknown that we don't know. Could he live up to this third overall pick still? Or is he this guy that some people just don't have a lot of confidence in? I don't know that he lives up to the third overall pick part, meaning, okay, Alex Smith was the first overall pick. Has he lived up to first overall pick? 
I guess, perhaps. Yeah, longevity-wise, longevity maybe wise, this past year. But, but he doesn't have a Super Bowl ring. My point is, he, Blake played, I think, and there are people in the building who believe this, pretty darn well, particularly the last 11, 12 games of the year. Now, there are people who say, well, Tennessee and Buffalo. Those were really tough weather condition games if you were on that field. He didn't play particularly well there, but there's a feeling that that was more the passing offense as a whole. The theory that they played the way they did in the second half of the championship game because they were scared to put it in Blake's hands, I don't buy that. I believe, and there are situations throughout the course of the season where I was told this, there were times throughout the course of the season that they didn't do certain things offensively because the line was having trouble protecting and because the receivers were young, having trouble getting open. That applies to the second half of the championship game as well. Now, Blake has some culpability in the second half of the championship game because they didn't win the game. But it's not a case where they look at it and say, oh, my goodness, because Blake Bortles was the quarterback, we couldn't do certain things in the second half of that game and we've got to go get a guy who can do that. I don't believe that that's a theory and a thing that's being looked at, or that's a lens through which people are looking at this team. I don't know that that's the lens that the front office is looking at Blake right now. Good stuff. John Osher, Jaguars.com. Read all about him all the time. See him on Facebook Live. What else you got? See me more than you want to. Yeah, especially here from Super Bowl 52. As my friend Pat Cavanaugh would say, across the Jaguars social media channels. Oh, very good. I like that. We might have to get PCAV on a, on a podcast soon. Yeah, I get shattered. Well, if we get really bored of the Super Bowl, <laughs> we might do that. Thanks for joining us, man. All right, buddy. That was a lot of fun. Maurice Jones-Drew chiming in, and the former Jaguar, always a, a big fan of the franchise and excited about what this team did this past year and what they might do in years to come. But it was kind of fun just for Mojo to jump in uh, there with John and I for a few minutes. We'll catch up with Mojo probably on the TV side of things as well as the week continues. So much happening during Super Bowl week. A lot of big names, a lot of stars. And you know what? The Jacksonville Jaguars are quite the topic. Uh, we talked to a lot of Minnesota fans today as well about the disappointment they have. They're hosting the Super Bowl, but they were one step away from being in it. So they feel the pain of Jaguars fans who are oh so close to making it to the franchise's first ever Super Bowl. Maybe it can happen next year. We have so much more to come from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Super Bowl 52 week will be here through the game on Sunday and uh, head back to Jacksonville on Monday. Between now and then, a lot of work to be done and hopefully a lot more interviews and we'll update the podcast in a couple of days. So make sure you stay tuned from Minnesota all the way back to Jacksonville, Florida. Maybe we'll bring Dan Hicken back into the fold on the next podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody, to the Action Sports Jacks Pile on Podcast. I'm Brent Martineau. This is brought to you by the Jacksonville Iceman. Hockey is back in Jacks. <laughs>